I'm Cameron Harold, the founder of the Second in Command podcast. Really quick, before we jump into today's episode, you need to know about two important ways that we can help you and your company grow. Number one, check out the COO Alliance. It's for COOs, presidents, VP ops, or whoever is your company's second in command to the CEO. The COO Alliance is the world's leading community for the second in command, and it gives COOs the tools and connections to grow themselves and the company. Head over to COOalliance.com to learn more about our members and the results, the program, and our 10x guarantee. If you qualify for membership, you can set up a complimentary call with our team to discuss if it's right for you. I'll tell you about number two in a bit, but first, let's start this week's episode. Where we will be able to do a little bit more as we continuously improve the business and, and do more for our employees. We try to provide them as much support as we can. You know, we have a flexible sort of a work uh, environment here. You know, you, it's not every day in the office where a majority of institutions have, have already moved to that. We've retained this piece uh, at WIO. We allow, we have a remote work policy that allows people time to work remotely. You know, a lot of our employees are very much skewed in the younger demographic. And this is just something now, it's a non-negotiable. Welcome to the Second in Command podcast produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. All right, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Our special guest today is WIO Bank's COO, Jamal Alawadi. Jamal and Wheel Bank are based in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates, where I'm actually now a resident, and he's our first guest from the region. This episode was a lot of fun to uh, record. You're in for a treat. And if you can, watch it on our Second in Command podcast YouTube channel. Jamal is a stellar leader who went to school at Tufts in Boston, has over a decade in marketing and strategy. He's mar married to a Canadian from Yellowknife, and his international perspective is a valuable asset in growing Wheel Bank. He works with three executive coaches, and that totally shines true as he's a really strong leader. As Wheel Bank's COO, Jamal focuses on strategic priorities, innovation, and cultivating teamwork. The bank is in a rapid hypergrowth phase right now, as one would expect, considering they're disrupting the industry as a platform bank. Jamal and his team are funded by ADQ Investment Bank and the region's Sovereign Wealth Fund. You're going to love this episode with Jamal Alawadi as he shares his experience and insights on leadership, teamwork, and the exciting journey of a wheel bank. We'll see you on the inside. This is definitely going to be an episode that you will want to share. So Jamal, welcome to the Second Command podcast. Thank you, Cameron. Great to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I am actually a new client of WIO Bank, which you're the COO of. I'm a new resident of the Emirates. And then I just found out prior to coming on that you're married to a Canadian and I'm a Canadian. So <laughs> this is pretty cool. <laughs> Welcome, welcome on a number of levels. And I guess, well, I guess I'm part of your club now too, as yeah, much as exactly. you are. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and the COO. So you got to just tell me really briefly and for our listeners, like how does somebody from Abu Dhabi get to meet somebody from Yellowknife, Canada um, and, and marry a Canadian? <laughs> you know, the, the answer to that question, I think, is really exploring, putting yourself out there, um, looking to grow in a number of different ways. Um, whether it's within the UAE, outside of the UAE, just being open to those opportunities. And I think that's, that's how it really, 
you know, brought me to, to where I am. And of course, along the way, met my wife uh, through the process uh, in one of my roles um, uh, at, at, uh, at, funny enough, the, the airline uh, in the UAE, actually. Okay, so you, you meet her at an airline in the UAE. You've been to Canada a bunch of times. One of my favorite cities in Canada is called Kelowna, and your mom or her mom now lives there. So you've been to Kelowna a few times. Yeah, I love it. You know, the nature and, 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 and of course, the landscape stunning. I don't think, I think where we are today, I think we have a lot of beautiful places around us. And I think North America is still on the further end of the, of the spectrum, let alone sort of the West Coast. Uh, and if you start to go a bit higher to Canada, uh, slightly even even further, but it's definitely worth the visit. Def, definitely worth the experience, and the nature is just just overwhelming. And I think it, it's nice to have that when you run uh, at the pace that we run at here to disconnect and have that uh, that time just for yourself and just to kind of even. I, I usually use the word, you know, it's it's like you um, the colors that you see and the nature that you see. It really feeds your eyes, and I think it's. Um, it, it's very, it's very healing. It's very nurturing. Um, uh, and, and, and I, and I get immense value from it. I do too. It's funny that you mentioned the colors. I don't know if I've ever had anyone say it, but I go hiking so often and I see the greens and there's like 20 different shades of green. Like it's, it's kind of mind blowing that nature is so beautiful. And then I guess for both of us, you know, we need to get out of the Emirates, um, June, July, and August when it's just so crazy <laughs> hot and Kelowna is pretty darn inviting at that time of year. I recommend you do not go to Kelowna in January or February unless you're ready to be pretty cold, though. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been the, the the only time I've been in winter was around December, around Christmas time. And, you know, it, it, it snowed heavily. Um, I did, I did a bit of skiing. I ended up skiing into a house. So that's okay. my, that's my story. Uh, everyone, everyone at the, on the hill saw it. Everyone was talking about it in the Apre ski. But, so. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. I'm getting to bring my two boys over. They're 20 and 22, and they're coming over to um, Dubai to meet my wife and I at Christmas. And I'm going to take them skiing at the indoor mall because they're big skiing <laughs> in Canada. So I'll take them skiing in Dubai just to make sure we check off. Well, that. That's a little different than Big White. There. Yeah, exactly. That was a great trip. We took them to Big White too. All right, so let's talk about Wio. How sure. how do you get starting? When do you sit down and say let's start a bank? What was the impetus for doing this? And then. To start one in such a beautiful way, kind of like Tesla, I'm going to start a car company, but we're not going to have dealerships. Wio doesn't have locations. You can walk us through what Wio is and what really the early, early days of, of Wio was. So I think the early days, if I look back to, to how Wio started, I think there was definitely um, a need in the market. I think the, the financial services landscape um, at the time um, filled with a number of traditional players um, in the market, and um, when you looked around outside of of the region and the UAE, look at what the trends that were happening in Southeast Asia, in Europe, and in some parts of North America as well. You saw these digital disruptors, the neo banks that, that were coming out into the market and really taking market share. You know, really disrupting the the landscape. And um, you know, the 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 key stakeholders here within within uh, the UAE, and this was uh, the Sovereign Wealth Fund uh, at the time, ADQ, um, had done a piece of work and and looked around and said, look, this is clearly a growing trend uh, across the world. This will not stop at the borders of the UAE. And we need to move quickly, move ahead. 
um, and, 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 and create something that's homegrown that will also lead the way um, and challenge the existing players in, in, in the landscape here to also start to move in that same direction. So create, uh, create change, overcome that initial inertia uh, that is that, that is so hard, um, and ultimately elevate the level of financial services in the market, both for the UAE as a as a nation. Um, we're increasingly looking to uh, attract a number of businesses, foreign direct investment into the country, and a core part of that, as you probably know, and a number of other people know, um, is providing banking services or financial services. Um, I think that's critical. That's that's integral and you want it to be up to a, a standard and a level that your customers expect, especially those that are coming in from markets where this is the norm. Mm. Who are your target clients? Who are your target customers? Is it, res is, is it consumer? Is it business? It feels like it's a business bank more than a consumer bank. Well, you're not wrong in, 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 in getting that sort of a feeling. Um, we started off, um, we had a choice. Do we go after the business? segment or do we go after the retail or consumer segment we chose honestly the problem that needed solving the most and and that was the the business sector uh and the business segment business customers have had uh, a very very painful experience um in the past and that's where we decided we're going to focus on energy we're going to crack this problem um no one else has 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 been successful to crack and we said we'll take on this challenge we received a lot of questions uh, in the early days as to this approach. Wouldn't it be better to go out onto retail? Easier to spread a brand new brand, of course, you know, there's more obviously retail customers than business customers. But we decided to align ourselves with the um, with the goals um, of the wider sort of country, the the, the industry built goal, goal, the foreign direct investment goal, and create a better business environment. And really go after and solving that problem. That's why we went out um, September of last year in the market uh, with our business product, our business banking product, your business. And uh, very recently, just a few months ago, uh, we went out with our retail product. And we have a roadmap of products and services that we plan to launch. But you know, being a startup, we didn't have a ton of people constrained in that way, and so we had to really focus. And that's what we did. We started with business and have moved on to retail and are continuing to develop both uh, products as well as uh, expanding the product offering into other areas. And it's interesting, you you really have touched on the fact that it is a, um, a business problem that you're going after, but it also is the country's focus right now. Did you, and I've, I don't know if I've ever really seen a country that has this kind of a vision and a plan that that businesses are rallying around and also the the locals are like everyone seems to be rallying around this vision. Is that something that is very unique to the UAE? I think our, our um, I think the vision of our leadership um, has always been there. Even when you look back and then you look forward as well. Mm. Um, the I think that we uh, believe that we obviously have much more to go and do and 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 goals that we need to reach and deliver to. Um, people do rally around uh, the leadership and the vision. It makes sense, first of all. It is uh, aspirational, but also inspirational as well. And, you know, we're a country that, you know, has always punched above our weight. 
Um, and, and we're looking to continue to do that through innovation, through technology, through even the way and the role of government, I think is very, very unique to this region. You know, that sometimes you're, 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 you'll find that people are quite surprised as to how developed the government sector is and the innovation in the government sector and the advancement within that sector. Mm-hmm. Times even leading uh, the private sector developments, right? And that's why you, you start to see, um, you start to see the level of services, which I'm sure you've experienced already. Totally. The setting up, whether it's a business or an individual moving here. Um, and, you know, you know, 10 years ago, they spoke of electron e-services and, and, and whatnot. Today, it's hard for you to do anything with the government without going through some sort of an app. You know, um, uh, back in the day when I was growing up, it was very different. And every time I would come back while, while studying in the U.S. and even while working in the U.S., the country was growing in leaps and bounds and and it was at times almost unrecognizable but all in a positive way yeah um, and and that's you know i i'm i'm one small sort of tool in this in this sort of master plan and i'm happy to be helping that uh be part of that that change and be part of the growth it makes me extremely proud um and and and, and very very fulfilled with the work that i do the satisfaction you get because it's not just words on a piece of paper or, or words in thin air. It's actually being put into practice. And um, the leadership take a personal interest in this. And they're very hands-on, very focused on what needs to happen and when it needs to happen. And that level of drive, I mean, is it helps move the entire nation in the same direction. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's unbelievable to watch. I've, I've written six business books, and one of my books is called Vivid Vision. And it is all about that vision. It's inspirational and aspirational, and it helps align everybody. And I don't think I've been to 69 countries so far, and I don't think I've seen a single country on the planet that is as aligned, that is as forward driving, and that is um, where government is actually inspirational. In In most countries, government is something to be avoided and something to be like we're all so frustrated with them and, and yeah. government seems to be getting in the way. The government in the UAE doesn't seem to be getting in the way. They seem to be leading the way. It's incredible to watch. So we're very, yeah, we're very fortunate uh, to have the leadership that we have. Now, was it, was it easy starting a bank, you know, with, with the government regulations or were there many government regulations in starting a bank? Yes, uh, the, the financial services sector, like in many other countries, is extremely uh, highly regulated. And we needed to make sure that we uh, complied with those regulations and built the bank in accordance with those regulations and laws. Um, and then also continued once we launched the bank to operate under um, those very same uh, laws and regulations. I, I wouldn't say it's not easy, but it's not entirely challenging in the sense that the regulator was extremely supportive of us coming in because once again, it helps mature the overall financial services landscape. And the regulator, as once again, similar to what you just mentioned, is also trying to push the envelope and leading the way in a lot of the change that needs to happen um, within the financial services sector, not just from a banking service product, but from other types of products and services, other types of, uh, of institutions that should be uh, accessible within the region. Um, and they're constantly leading the way, bringing in new technology, new system, new tools 
to help enable the banks to adopt and then grow from that uh, point on. I'm curious about competition, and I'm not going to name name names, but there's a couple of other brands. You know, every country has lots of brands in the banking sector. There's a couple yeah. of other brands that I was introduced to in the early days when I was setting up my company and residency. And when mm-hmm. I looked at them, you know, they, they felt good and clean and modern and, and um, progressive. How have they been to compete with? Have they have they assisted? Have they gotten in your way? Have they uh, are they starting to adopt some of what you're doing now and watching you as a leader? You know, I think that the we've seen we've seen that change and, and and I think if you look at the primary differences, you know, we all, we came out into the market not just as another bank, we came out as a platform bank, right? And it's a very new concept to the region. But it didn't have it wasn't without its challenges. Um, whereas the the rest of the market, I think are traditional banks that have started to heavily invest in a digital channel, if you will. Um, so the guts and the core of the bank have remained as they are. Whereas what we did is we had to build a bank from, from, from scratch, from the ground up, completely digitally native with the latest tech, which I must say. It's pretty strong. Now probably running, sorry? It's pretty strong. It's strong, but it, even the tech that we built, and I'm, and I'm very open and honest to say, we're giving it a hard look now, few, a couple years into um, uh, from the build and selection of our tech and saying, is this tech still fit for purpose, right? Can we still go in and rip some parts out and bring in even better tech in? Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's shocking that, you know, we would look to even think of something that looks actually you would call a transformation this early on, but that's the mindset, continuously improving, right? I talked about challenges, you know, the, the, the rest of the market, they've been here for a longer period of time than we have, a way much more of a head start, but also having some of that brick and mortar we've ha- uh, that we don't have, we've run into some challenges early on, on people really feeling that sense of trust. Is this a real bank? That's how new this concept is, that right? Is- and people, people find comfort in physical banking locations. And the way we worked around these concerns are, of course, through our many platforms, whether it's our website or or, or on social media, we're constantly reiterating the message of our strong shareholder base, talking about how we're regulated by the same regulatory body that every other bank here is regulated. We're trying to communicate our authenticity. And we have very, very strong shareholder base that have an extremely strong reputation and presence in the market that we are leveraging to give us um, that credibility. Um, and I have to talk about this because I know you've experienced it, but the significant game changer for us has been the power of word of mouth. I mean, when we first launched, we did very little above the line uh, marketing and promotion. And we kind of did a soft launch and we kind of kept it that way for two reasons. We didn't want to go out there and, and, and flood our platform that wasn't truly tested. We had done a number of tests ourselves. But, you know, when you go out there and you shout and scream, you know, you could be uh, flooded with, uh, with, with demand that at times could be challenging, especially if you're testing a brand new platform in the market. So we thought we would, you know, keep it uh, um, a little bit more low key. And when we launched in the market, the growth numbers that we were experiencing purely through the power of word of mouth. I mean, there's customer experiences that were shared, particularly within a community, especially in our case, the business community, 
carried more weight than traditional marketing tactics. Yeah. You know, you saw these businesses that all of a sudden who had take it had previously taken them, you know, weeks and months to open a, a business bank account has they opened their bank account in hours or days. To them, that was mind blowing, and they couldn't help but start to talk to other people and share this. Hey, you need to go check this bank out. You need to open an account with uh, with Weo Bank, and that alone started to create a lot of demand. And by the time it was all said and done, I'll be honest with you, like um, you know, we did turn on our marketing engine at some point in time, and and we're we're really we're really happy that you know uh, a year ago when we launched, the numbers that were coming through the door are actually the same numbers that are coming through the door today, 13, 14 months after launch. And that's a testament to, to how, how, how strong uh, of, a, of a response we've had in the market. And we continue to get you know, new traffic flows. There's a lot of new businesses that are setting up. And a lot of people are saying, you should open uh, an account of Wheel. And that has, of course, you know, resulted in the rest of the market taking notice. And starting to up their game, which overall is good for the UAE. Yeah, I think it's good for the UAE. So it's the whole concept of the rising tides lift all boats, right? So if mm-hmm. everybody starts building better online banking, it will give a lot more credence to what WEO is doing because you will be the leader because you're not stuck in the old traditional model. As you said, you are really more of a platform bank versus a, a bank with an online portal. And it's interesting you mentioned word of mouth. I went out when I was setting up there about a year ago, kind of getting up my residency. I went out into two communities online and asked people what bank they would suggest. And then I asked some friends that have lived in the UAE for 15 years, and I got very different responses. The friends that have lived in the UAE for 15 years gave me the very traditional couple of brands. And then I went into a group called Internations and another one called Dynamite Circle. And both of those groups, we always in every conversation, as well as the other brands were kind of mixed in, but it was like, we owe, we owe, we owe, we owe. I'm like, what the heck? And then I spoke to another a young female entrepreneur who's um, set up her residency in in uh, Dubai about probably two years ago, and she was just like, "We oh, we oh, we oh, forget the others completely." I'm like, "All right, I guess I'll give you guys a try." My <laughs> the online the customer experience is what grabbed me. The ability to just have my questions answered via WhatsApp very quickly, and then realizing I didn't have to go through the pain in the ass factor of driving down to a branch and figuring out parking and probably get a speeding ticket on the way. Um, Another one. Another one. Yeah, it all just worked out. Okay. Working with a sovereign wealth fund, working with the investment community to to build a company, some would look from the outside looking in and say, well, then it's easy to grow a company because you have money. It's never, I don't think it's ever easy to scale a company when you have access to money. What have been some of the um, the challenges of, of having those kinds of investors coming in versus, you know, a traditional VC investor? Or is the sovereign wealth fund more of a traditional VC investor? I think that having uh, the sovereign wealth fund, and in our case, was ADQ at the time, and you know, th- this has this also extends into our existing shareholder base. They have been extremely supportive of our growth, our pace. They have a view that while we do need to hit our targets, we need to do it in the right way. Right? There's no um, there's no shortcuts here, um, and, and you know our shareholders have uh, come from, of course, diverse backgrounds, but come uh, also from the financial services background. So they know what it takes. They've actually been involved in some of the largest institutions uh, in the region, and you know with that comes you know an approach that is very measured. It's calculated. 
um, there's a there's a lot of thought that goes into the decisions that that we make. Um, and I found the relationship to be honestly one of the best that we could have. Even when we do face any setbacks, they're there. They have our backs. They support us. They make sure we have the right level of access that we need to. And then we're growing in the right way. And if they ever feel that we're either growing too fast in, in, in the wrong way, growth, growing too fast is, is, a, is a reality for us, but doing it in the right way and the wrong way, I think they're very aware of that and they, uh, they connect in with us. And they're very accessible for, for individuals that have you know, a number of other roles and responsibilities you know, it is, um, it, it is, it is a blessing, honestly, to have them be as accessible as they are and give their time to, honestly, if you look at the breadth of the portfolio, we're, we're teeny, we're still teeny. I mean, we've only really started our journey, you know, a, a little over a year uh, ago uh, in the market. And so from that perspective, I mean, you know, yes, we have a lot of potential, but we're also very humble that they're able to provide that that level of commitment, engagement, and direction to us. Are you able to speak to some of the numbers in the business yet in terms of like the number of customers, numbers of employees? Can you go in any, just to give us the scope of the operation you're running or do we stay away from that at this stage because you're still so early? And I'm fine. Yeah, I would, I would I would prefer to to stay away from those, uh, yeah. those numbers at this point. I would, I would too. So I don't think we're hiding anything. I think it'll be it'll be fun to watch the press all of a sudden go, oh, sh- holy shit, look at what these guys have done. So talk about... <laughs> Talk about some of growing the right way. I'm curious about about the hiring because from my experience, the interaction that I've had has been very strong. Can you talk about some of the the systems that you have in place of hiring? What kind of people you're looking for? Where do you find them? So on that topic, you know the kinds of uh, of individuals we look for. Um, initially, we we look for a mix. Uh, that's the that's the that's the short answer. And when I say mix. Um, not not just from a diversity perspective, but from a background perspective. You look at people who come, um, of course, primarily, do they have financial services experience? Preferably, yes, that's a good thing. But if they don't, that's okay, too. Um, we have a number of, uh, of individuals within my organization that don't come from a financial services background. I don't come from a financial services background either. Um, and I think that's a good thing for an institution that is trying to challenge the ways of working, challenge the norms, challenge the status quo, uh, and really do something different and bring a different flavor um, and allow us to stand out. Um, so we look for, for people that are extremely hardworking. Um, it's not easy being at WIO. Uh, as you know, we're in a, uh, a stage of sort of hyper growth. You know, uh, every day, um, it's around keeping up with the demand, understanding the market, ensuring our teams are delivering um, without compromising customer satisfaction. But at the same time, and we know that they're hardworking, but you know, I, I try to be as, as mindful that I don't want to overwhelm the teams during this phase. We want them to last. We want them to stay with us because burnout can happen very easily. Um, but the challenges and the opportunities lie in the constant need to evolve. And, and we're always innovating sort of new ways of working to match the pace of our growth. I always say every sort of six months, I'm almost looking at a different business. Um, and I need people around me that can do that, right? That can elevate their game or switch to look at things at a different angle or a different facet um, and so that we can keep up with, with the change. The rate of growth has been so high, you have to almost change your operating model every six months. And that's, you know, 
to change your operating model in that way every six months is just is, is not an easy task. And to have people that can mentally do that with you and ride those waves with you uh, takes a bit of resilience. And, and that's one of the other factors that we look for in people. Yeah, you really do have to hire for that. I, I was the COO of a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK, and we had six consecutive years of 100% revenue growth. And I think you're going to be trumping that by a long shot. Um, and, and the resilience isn't in everybody. People don't always understand that making it up as we go is actually the way. <laughs> like the uh, Yeah, it's, it's, you know, they, what do they call it? I think the military, they call it the VUCA mindset, right? Um, and, and it's funny enough, people in the military are very good at this and adapting to this, but, uh, but we're seeing a lot of our talent, uh, able to, uh, to move and shake with, uh, with the business and, 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 you know, you're right. It's not for everyone. Obviously we've had people since we've started come in, stay with us. Some people have left us, but we have, we have people that have been with us from day one. They're still here and they're, they're in it for the long run and they, you know, they they love being part of this. They truly believe and they're vested in this business. Are you getting to the stage now where you're starting to hire some senior leadership people over top of the current team? Like, are you are you bringing in that seasoned talent? Yeah. Yeah. So funny you say that, you know, it's, it's, what's the right point where you hit that sense of maturity? And, and for me, you know, when you first come out of the gates, you know, you've kind of designed everything. You kind of feel like you've done all your thinking. And so now you build an engine that can run. And you continuously fine tune it. And, and personally, that was the focus for me. I want to make sure I have an engine that can run in, in that way, which, or I call it the run side of my business. And there was um, a lesser focus on more the design and the change part of the business. But I'm increasingly now focusing more on the change side and realizing that that is where I need to focus my attention and bring in the right talent that can do more of the thinking we have excellent people that are doing and operating, and, and now we need to get some good thinking and then link the two. Talk about the, um, the, the balance right now for you. I'm curious what it's like for you as a leader and for your employees, you know, leading them to have some semblance of balance. I mean, or is it for now, for like the first three to five years, it's heads down, go 100 miles an hour, you, you know, you'll, you'll see your wife when you can see her. Um, is, is it just complete monomaniacal focus right now, or do you have any semblance of some balance as well? Look, we, um, we realize, uh, this hyper growth we're in and, and it's not easy to manage. I think we are increasingly taking steps to provide people that, uh, that's sort of a, 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 a switch off timeframe to be able to come up for air a little bit. I'll be honest. I don't get to come up for air as much as I would like to, but that to your point, this is the stage we're in and this is the focus, right? It is head down and, 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 and get through it, but we do celebrate our wins, right? We absolutely do. We do stop, you know, for only a few minutes um, to celebrate our wins, um, but we do it often, right? And I think, I think we're extremely excited by this. We know that, you know, we, we, will, we will reach a point where we will be able to do a little bit more as we continuously improve the business um, and, and, and do more for our employees, we try to provide them as much support as we can. You know, we have a flexible sort of a work uh, environment here. You know, you, it's, it's, it's not every day in the office where a majority of institutions have, have already moved to that. We've retained this, uh, this piece uh, at WIO. Um, we allow, we have a remote work policy that allows people um, time to work remotely. You know, a lot of our employees are very much skewed 
and the younger demographic. And this is just something now, it's a non-negotiable, um, especially when a lot of other institutions are, are clamping down on this. This has helped us attract um, new talent, better talent, um, and also retain the ones that we have today. So I was just about to ask the question of hybrid or, or, or um, and I was not expecting to be so progressive. That's, it, it's super intriguing for such a traditional industry of banking to say, yeah, of course, like it's a non-negotiable, you have to be hybrid. Yeah, I think, I think that allows you to bring in uh, a different type of talent than the rest of the, the industry. And for us, that's an advantage. I think here at WIO, if you're different, that's good. Are you global with any of your talent? Like, do you have like a tech team in Romania and a, you know, marketing team in the UAE? Do you have any of that going on? Or are you mostly you? Yeah, I think a very good question, um, Cameron. Yeah, we, we do leverage talent from around the world. I think even within the UAE, the team that you see here um, are from all over the world and, and, and literally like all over the world. Um, and we've had, when we're having more and more people, I have a couple more people joining my team that aren't even here yet, you know, and, the, and one starts next week, the other one starts in February, um, coming in from different parts of Europe. Um, everyone's really looking at this region as a, as a, as a the place to be. And, and, and thankfully, Rio as, as one of the, the employers of choice. Um, but in terms of other centers around the world, we are exploring um, having development centers, tech centers, uh, potential operation centers in other parts of the world as well. Love it. All right. I want to talk, talk about um, customers. You know, when you're building a tech product and a tech platform, which is WIO really is doing, customers all have our opinions, right? Like we, um, everybody has their opinion on what should be in the product. And if your product did this, I would work with you. How do you balance the needs of customers and the desires of customers when you need to also say no or not now? Mm-hmm. Our customers, uh, as you as you mentioned, are very open with their feedback of what they expect from you in terms of product roadmap, what they would like, what they don't like. If something's out in the market today and we don't and and customers don't like it or it's not working for them, that's something we take very seriously. To us, that's that's something that we're going to go and fix. However, if there's a new product that uh, a customer is looking for, that they are. We take that feedback in, we pass it on to our design teams. The design teams are continuously iterating and improving uh, our products while working on, uh, on, on new, new products. And as part of that new product development process, both the product and design teams work together to really bring the customers into WIO. Um, depending on what segment we're looking to, to target with that product, we'll, we'll make sure that we listen to the customer, understand what their pain points are, what are they looking for, what are their needs, what are their dislikes, likes, and, and eventually come up with a, a, a product that will address those, those needs, satisfy the customers, but also deliver value to the bank and our shareholders. Curious what percentage of your customers are, are you know, local Emirati and what percent are the local or the, the, the expats that are setting up businesses? Is, do you know what the split is and do you have a focus on that? I don't have a split right now off the top of my head, but we do have um, customers from, from, from both segments. The Emirati segment is growing. We've taken a bit more focused uh, approach to addressing the Emirati customers. When we went out with the retail customer proposition, we started to see um, a larger number of Emiratis come on board. Um, and, and of course, we have a healthy base with Emirati entrepreneurs as well, business owners have onboarded onto our platform. Some on board because they, they've obviously heard about us and want to test us out and that's fantastic and we're fine with that. And there are some that have just set up new businesses 
And for them, there's no other choice than we are. And, um, and, and we're really happy about that. This is, you know, we are a, a, a Abu Dhabi and, and, and a company based out of the UAE. Um, so the UAE segment is extremely important to us. Um, and we are, you know, are, are always going to have an eye and, and an ear to the, to the local segment or the Emirati segment. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we really started to look at areas of focus that address them specifically with their specific needs as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think your retail is going to take, I think going in deep in the retail and the Emirati segment will give you the business segment there for sure. And then I think the business segment for the expats will gain you the retail with them as well. So one of my newest books is called The Second in Command. And it's all about, you know, your role as the COO, my role of having played it. I want to yeah. talk about a little bit of the role of the second in command and what the differences are between you and the CEO with WEO Bank. First, how do you stay in sync with them? How did you divide and conquer in terms of who does what in the organization? And then mm. third, how do you think you see the business differently than they do? Look, I think the role uh, of the CEO and the CEO, I think they're complementary roles. And, and, and this is the way that I work with, with our CEO. You know, we, from a collaboration perspective, we collaborate on all strategic aspects and projects, especially ones that concern a, the community, the customers, and overarching business strategies. I think the CEO definitely leverages uh, the fact that I am Emirati, and 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 there that is an opportunity in this market. We are in the in 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 this environment, and and having that kind of a steer is 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 vital and important. And I think he leverages my. I guess knowledge and and uh, in this space and my experience in this space, and also just a better understanding of the landscape. Are there any political sensitivities here? Anything we need to be careful about? What would work? What wouldn't work? Um, things of that sort. However, when it comes to sort of division of responsibilities, we do that in a way that, of course, is joined up as well, right? In uh, and it sounds counterintuitive, um, but we I look at him as a CEO focusing on sort of the high level strategy, definitely managing the board and uh, our shareholders and some key stakeholders within Abu Dhabi and the UAE. While I sort of take over more of the day-to-day operations, the execution side, uh, addressing any of the escalations that may occur, which do occur, and ensuring that we're meeting the expectations of the market and our customers. Escalations and sort of, I mentioned, you know, fires that start as you probably know very well, not uncommon in an operational environment. Um, these are always channeled to me. And I do feel that he has that confidence that I will deal with it. I will take care of it. I'll handle them effectively to ensure that the customers are satisfied. And of course, that we have stability in the market, that we're not you know, causing panic and concern. Um, and I think this collaborative approach, you know, it really ensures that we drive our teams to meet sort of high level objectives while managing operational intricacies as well. And, and I, I'll be honest, you know, we kind of back each other up as well. I, I leverage him when I need it. Um, and I think he does the same uh, on his side. I'm curious if you were only able to work for two hours a day, you know, you had some, some illnesses in the family or yep. whatever, and you literally for six months could only operate two hours a day tactically specifically what would you do in those two hours a day that would really leverage you know the wheel brand or that would be the biggest you know return on your time two hours a day okay well i can do a lot in two hours right um, <laughs> <laughs> um a i would i would check in with my team 
Um, I, I would I would look at I would I would look at the data that we have on our dashboards right away to understand what's going on and make sense. Um, um, my team are, are 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 incredibly close to me, and I'm close to them. I need to know how they're doing, what 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 they're what they're feeling challenged by, where they need additional support. You know what's really not working well. They need guidance. They need direction. I need to make sure that they're confident that they have my that presence. And I and, and you know and I think that that's normal to have that kind of support in that relationship. I definitely want will check in with my uh, with my CEO not every single day, um, but within those some of those two hour blocks for sure. I, I would do that, and then I would just also take the time to just think. I think it's valuable to stop and to think and. You know, to come up for air and to think, and I and I really don't think, as COOs, we do enough of that. You know, every COO I speak to, you know, finds themselves coming up for air, doing a bit of thinking, and then getting pulled back into the weeds. And I think that the, you know, we need to take that time to think. Uh, otherwise, we I, I I I I can't see us providing the value that we should provide to the to the business. I love the insight on that. I also, I really loved your initial response, which was, wow, I could do a lot two hours a day. So many people are like, oh my gosh, if I, I don't know what I'd do if I only had that much time. But you're right. Like two hours is like so much time, right? That we really, if you, yeah. if you use it effectively, you seem to be a fairly, um, you seem to be a very supportive leader. You're not like the autocratic dictatorial telling people what to do. You seem to be more of the servant leadership. Would that be kind of the model that you subscribe to? Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, it's funny, I had a, a similar conversation about to one of my coaches re- recently about my sort of style. And it, it is that I almost look at it, uh, you know, they asked me to draw a picture of what you thought your style was. And I drew um, this image of, you know, just a large group of people, um, little stick figures, because I'm not a great artist, um, and, <laughs> uh, but, but a large mass of them. And I drew these two big arms sort of just behind them, these two hands. And then obviously my big, and my big bald head right above it, smiling, you know, um, and and the, and when I have to interpret it and I, and I have to explain it, and then it was really that I see myself, you know, and I think this was probably a difference in my own growth, where I used to want to be front and center all the time, and I found that I'm actually more valuable, sort of standing, sort of behind and around my team to really make sure they get what they need, um, so that they can be successful, and I can, un- if things get blocked, I can unblock you know, um, areas that, 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 that are holding them back, whether that's within the organization or within themselves, you know, and that's been, that's been a huge part of sort of my, my shift and my change in style. And that's, that's for me, that's the kind of leadership style I want to have. That doesn't mean I won't come down hard on you. Um, but even when I'll do, when I do it, I'll make sure that I'm explaining why this is happening. And it's more of a questioning, um, uh, approach, you know, I want people to come to those conclusions themselves, and for me, that means asking the right questions that leads them to that, to that, to that, uh, to that outcome, and it's very satisfying. Yes, you're time. more you're more of a Socratic leader. That's it's interesting. I love that you actually mentioned working with one of your coaches, and and I think I've done about 330 episodes with COOs, and I know a lot of them are learning. They're out there, always kind of continuing to grow. How did you find a coach? What were you looking for in a coach, and what kinds of coaches do you work with? So I work with. Um, it's a it's a funny story. Um, I 
I, I knew uh, to your point, I needed to sort of more understand myself, my core values, determine what I'm doing, you know, am I doing things that are aligned with those values or not? Just more, I guess, more inward looking so that I can understand myself better and then uh, better understand how the world perceives me, ideally my team and my colleagues uh, and my peer group, so that I can be a more effective leader um, in that in that way. Um, I went out to look, uh, I had an experience with a uh, with a coach. Actually, it's funny, uh, and I, and I'm probably going to take a few more minutes than I would normally take to answer this question. But this sort of journey of sort of inward looking reflection happened when I was uh, in a previous role. I was at two four fifty four in the film and television industry um, here in Abu Dhabi, and my my manager at the time was extremely supportive of sort of. Um, development and learning and, and encouraged me to go to um, uh, a, a university in, in the UK called the, called um, Henley Business School. But I didn't go there to do business. He, he asked me to go and look at their continuing education and, and executive education and pick something that I thought would be great. And, and, I, was, and I was in an environment where I'm, at the time I was extremely performance driven and I wanted to uh, deliver to targets and he was driving us really hard. And I saw this thing that said something along the lines of, oh, driving high-performance teams. And I thought, this is perfect. I have teams. I need to drive high-performance out of them. This is what I'm going to take. And so I went in, and it was, it was a two-part course. And I went in this environment, and I met all these amazing people. And I remember sitting down, and they are about to start the session, and these two um, lovely English uh, women walked in that were very older in their age. And I thought, okay, they, they have a ton of experience. I'm going to learn all these techniques about how I'm going to apply things that are going to deliver results. And when I, when they started, I didn't realize it, but they were, they were more like development coaches. And what we started to do is this whole program was all about understanding one thing, which was me. They didn't come out with anything. People people started to, I mean, it, it can get very heavy. It can get very, very emotional. People start to really understand who they really were and ask very, very hard questions of themselves. It was the best thing ever. And I came back, I didn't come back with all these tools, but I came back just knowing of myself a little bit better. Uh, and then I was able to, 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 to just be able to do things a bit differently. And I thought to myself, oh, I must come across this way. Oh, you know, this is probably why I, I react to things in this manner, you know, and Give you a bit of that self-awareness, which I thought was amazing. And so fast forward, I had a I had an interaction with a coach, you know, some number of uh, maybe about a year ago now, actually, here at Rio. And I thought, you know, it really kind of turned that light on again and wow, it's been a long time since I've done some sort of self-development. And I've of course matured and have changed as an individual. So I need to go back in and see who who is Jamal today, right? How is Jamal operating? And I decided I was going to go look for a coach. And as you know, you do, um, I didn't just go get one coach. I decided I was going to get three coaches and create a bit of a customer success team for me. And, and this is the model that I operate today. They, they coach me individually. They have their own individual strengths um, and they have different backgrounds. Every, each and every one of them has been in corporate life. Um, some two of them out of the three here in the, in the UAE one of them outside of the UAE, so they get that perspective, but I've also worked with, with clients here. So, and I needed that because I wanted to make sure I wasn't really clouded by the realities of the UAE. I'd like to think that, you know, you can pick Jamal up and you can drop him anywhere in the world and he'll, he'll perform, he'll, um, uh, he'll, he'll be productive uh, and deliver value. And, and so 
Um, so that's what I do. I sh whatever I share with each and every one of them is, is, is sort of private unless I tell them I'm okay with them then conferring and debating and coming back to me. So I allow that to happen. Right. So you have your coaches are able to talk to each other. Yeah. That's a first. Never heard that yet. That's extraordinary. I love that. That's complete open vulnerability, great trust. The, the ability to have that's fantastic. I mean, it would happen in the sports world. I think it's yeah. great that in, in the business world that you're doing that. It's amazing. Thank All you. Right. I, I want you to go back to the 21 year old Jamal and give yourself some advice. What advice would you give the 21 year old that you know to be true today, but you wish you'd known back then? Oh, I would say um, three things. I would say the number one is, is, is trust the process and, and don't be too impatient because, you know, processes, as we know, can take time, but also organizations and, and how things move within organizations are different from one place to the other. Organizations are very complex spaces and, and how decisions come about and how um, actions are taken can be very, very different, but you need to trust the process. Uh, understand the organization and 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 then have a bit of patience because things will happen. The second is conflict and is not the same as being assertive, right? Or avoiding conflict is not the opposite of, be, of being uh, assertive. So you can be assertive and not be, you know, sort of conflict ridden because I think that it's healthy to do that. It's healthy to challenge um, in the right environment as long as the space is created and. For me, I, you know, you saw, you, you mentioned my sort of leadership style and I, for the longest time, I thought, well, well this is one that doesn't go, enter into conflict. That's not true. I used to think that that would be off brand for me, but it's not. I think actually, you know, those two would be the, the two, uh, the two pieces of advice I would give myself. I love that. And if, if your coaches have not mentioned this, I think one of your biggest strengths is you have this incredible demeanor as a human that you're very welcoming, charming, friendly, engaging. It's just like, you kind of just want to hang out with you. Um, I, like I, I have a feeling like your people really like you and, and they're going to stay loyal with you. And, and you're, you're on a path of building something really fantastic in the UAE. And, and I think globally, um, it's going to be really fun to watch. So Jamal Alawadi, thank you so much for sharing with us on the Second Command podcast. Very appreciative today. Cameron, thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely speaking with you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our other podcast streaming platforms. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.